Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about primary care and is our relationship with primary care dead? And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 16 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. So, Colin, do you know your primary care doctor? I am old school. I definitely know my primary care physician. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't even have one. I, uh, I've tried a couple of times and no, nothing really resonated. So I would say my primary care physician is an, a few doctors that are friends. <laughs> so there's a bit of that. And then maybe the CVS or Walgreens minute clinic, uh, whatever those are called now. Uh, I probably know them best. <laughs> See, so we're going to represent old school and new school because I, I fall into definitely into the old school camp. I've had the same primary care physician since I graduated university. So that's a long time. (laughs) Thanks, John. Thanks for reminding me how long. I know my pediatrician for my kids. So (laughs) there's something to say there, right? It's kind of like women know their OBGYN too, but yeah, primary care, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I I definitely, so, I mean, I definitely recognize that I'm in the minority now um, where I go to the same physician. uh, They know me, their office knows me. You know, it's far away from my home now because I, I got this physician when I was living downtown in Toronto. But yeah, I, I appreciate it. And, you know, it, it's great to have that, but um, it's it's more rare. Um, and most people now are like you, like, you know, urgent care clinics are fine. You know, they they go to the local um, clinic that's in the in the mall. Right. Like, yeah, uh, that's all that's all they need. And I think so. Yeah. You know, the, right off the top, you at you know, the 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 comment you made, you know, is the relationship with primary care physicians, uh, is it dead? I would say, yeah, it's getting there. <laughs> well, I mean, I find it fascinating that you still drive across town passing hundreds of primary care physicians, right? To go to the one that you have a relationship with. And I mean, that, that just begs the question, are we going to do that still? Which on the one hand, telehealth could stop that and could extend the relationship. So in some ways, if your primary care provider offers telehealth, then that actually extends it because you're like, yeah, okay, if I just have to drive there every couple of years, that would make sense. But to do that every six months for checkups or whatever, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. In fact, (laughs) I tried it once with ZDog MD when he opened up Turntable Health and I was like, nah, I don't really want to do this 20 minute drive to go to get my healthcare. Yeah, I mean, in, first of all, in Canada, the, the the dynamics are slightly different. There's a there's not enough primary care physicians, and uh, so you're lucky to have one that can regularly see you. But but even if it wasn't the case, yeah, I recognize totally there are very good physicians that live you know a few blocks away, or you know that that have practices a few blocks away from where I live. Uh, certainly can offer more technology based uh, visits than my current doctor does, but. Um, you know, because I've been going to see them for so long, there is those extra questions that I feel and extra care that I'm getting that I might not get with a new person. Like they ask me all the time, Hey, like, um, so, you know, what are, what are, what are the changes in your work? Right. Like, are you, are you still traveling a lot? You know, cause uh-huh. that's, you know, 
if, if that's the case, you should probably be a little bit more concerned about, you know, your circulation because you're on an airplane a lot. And, okay. you know, like the new doc, if I do have one, probably not asking me that question until I complain about it. Right. Yeah, that, That's what's interesting, though. I mean, because that's where I was going in my head was like, what's the value of the relationship? If I'm relatively healthy, I, I get it. If I have a chronic condition, I think that's kind of a different area. And maybe, maybe I'm just still in denial about my risk for <laughs> chronic disease, you know, which may be the real problem here more than it is. Do I want a relationship with primary care is that I'm in denial and I feel pretty healthy and I have a great relationship with my orthopedic surgeon because my knees suck, but I don't with my <laughs> primary care. Cause otherwise that, you know, besides breaking bones and old age and from sports stuff, you know, I don't really care. And what would I even tell them anyway? Well, see, and you've hit on something there that's interesting. Like you don't have a relationship with your primary care physician or a primary care physician, but you have a relationship with your orthopedic uh, person, right? Because that's where you're getting, that's where you are getting hurt more. And that's, that's more suited to your lifestyle. I think that's a difference in terms of the specialization and the regeneralization maybe that's happening where, you know, that's okay. Right. Like was before, I think the only gateway we had into care was you had to go through your family physician. Like you had to start there and they were the only way you got to anyone else. But now I think like your, your uh, ortho surgeon or your ortho uh, doc, they obviously care about you. They know you and they've kind of got that relationship that a primary care doc would have had with you. Yeah. Um, I, I hear that a lot people uh, from other people as well who have, you know, better relationships with their OBGYN or with their pediatric kids doctor than they yeah. do with their the own rheumatologist. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and I think that's okay. Like, and I think that maybe has taken away from the relationship that we all used to have with our primary care. Cause that was the only doctor you saw on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a couple angles to this. One is that you know, my orthopedic surgeon friend is a friend and that's why I was able to hijack it. Like I, right. I literally couldn't go and see him without seeing my primary care doctor if he wasn't a friend and right. I wouldn't go because it would be too expensive to go <laughs> if he wasn't a friend. Right. And so, you know, but it's like, why did I want to hijack that system? Cause I knew going to the primary care, he's just going to refer me to the orthopedic surgeon. So it's like, why am I doing this? It doesn't make sense. But on the other hand, there's a case to be made that if we want to lower the cost of care, an active primary care physician can actually do that if they do it effectively. I mean, I think we've seen that with Farzad Mostashari and his work with Alidaid, you know, in the ACOs that an active primary care can actually be a big benefit from a cost perspective. Yeah, I think, you know, I think people want to have a relationship with people who are providing them care. I, I don't think necessarily, though, that they want that relationship or that relationship has to be with a primary care physician, right? Whether you call them health coaches or wellness coaches, I think people do want a relationship with someone who understands their unique environment, their unique social economic status, their unique you know, lifestyle, and can make recommendations and check in and go, oh, hey, like based on what I know about you, maybe you want to stay away from you know, the, the subway every, every two days, maybe want to try something else, right? Like, like that's kind of the stuff that I think um, can, you know, uh, can, can happen. I, th I think that people want that. So I think maybe it's not so much that we don't want to have a relationship with somebody in healthcare. I just think it's no longer only the primary care physician that is the only place where that could happen. So let's talk about that. We want a relationship with some, some, you know, with care, 
right? And then the question around is primary care just this gateway to that other parts of healthcare? And I think maybe that's the problem with primary care is that it was treated as just a gateway and none of us like gateways, right? <laughs> like, I, I mean, at least here in the US, we hate gateways, right? It's like fundamental to our culture that we don't want to be gatewayed and fundamental to everything that's changing in this world, right? Is like, no, you don't gateway me, right? There's a thing called freedom that we love. And, you know, obviously some people take it too far in the wrong ways, but, you know, we hate gateways. And if it's just a gateway, to me, that equates to bureaucracy and we all hate bureaucracy too. And so I think maybe that's what's wrong with primary care is it did just become a de facto gateway rather than something that really added value and actually coordinated my care and kept me healthy versus, oh, am I going to allow you to go see that specialist? Like this seems so punitive and ugly, but yet that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think in the past uh, that it was primary care's main function, um, other than seeing someone on a regular basis, right? Like, if, so if you were healthy and you just needed to go in for your, you know, six months, twelve month checkup, I think that's fine. You had a, you know, that's what primary care was for. And I think minor ailments, you were probably okay, like sure, something that was just nagging you, but nothing acute, fine, right? But yeah, like the prime, a lot of people went to their primary care physician for the sole reason of I need to go see the GI. I need to get, a, I need to go see the rheumatologist. I need to go see someone else. And the only way to get to that someone else was to be referred by my primary care physician. So I think that function of primary care, you're absolutely right, is is just bureaucracy for the sake of bureaucracy. It's just why did we do that, right? Like. I don't know the history of it, but my guess is the insurance companies didn't want to pay for the specialists if it wasn't needed. And so that's probably why it happened. Something along those lines. Could be also, there could be, it was a lot harder to know those specialists way back when, right? We didn't have provider directories like we do now. You couldn't search on the website and find out who's the local. So you had to go to someone who's in the know and primary care. Part of their job was to know, okay, who was it in the area that I can refer my patients to? Right. So and so I think they did serve that function, but today with technology, with provider directories, with a lot of the patient access tools, like the ones from Kairos and others, you know, you, it's so easy to find a specialist now, right? You, to your point, like what you do, you can just bypass the primary care physician if you wanted. And if they have online booking of appointments, there's an option for new patients, right? Just to go ahead and book. And Dr. Google probably told you which specialist actually takes care of this issue. <laughs> right. So I think it's true that part of the function of primary care in the past was like this, but now there's many other paths, right? There's urgent care, there's, there's of course, the ED, and then there's direct, you can just go direct to these specialists. Um, But I think, you know, the part where they're providing you wellness, I think that's very interesting because I think some smart um, uh, physicians are now building new practices around that aspect right? Where they're, they're building not just practices around, you know, oh, I can bring a laboratory in. No, no, no. Now I'm bringing actually people who um, specialize in mental health and I can bring people in who help with a physiotherapy, right? And that's become their practice. So it's much more around preventative and wellness as opposed to just coming in when you're sick and for that six month checkup. Yep. Now that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully that's what, uh, hopefully that's what's going to, we're going to see the rise of that kind of practice soon or more so. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lynn and Colin Hung. Today, we're talking about primary care and whether the relationship 
with primary care is is dead. Do we need to build the coffin? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, we, you and I, you and I both know what comes around goes around, right? Like we'll be talking about the rise of primary care about ten years from now. Right? <laughs> that's such a good point. I mean, I think that's what's interesting about it, right? I think we all know that primary care is really not dead, but it's going to transform in huge ways. And kind of a question that came up for me that I think is really interesting. And, you know, this is kind of coming out of the health conference that I just attended in, in uh, Boston. And they have, I mean, primary care was prominent and the investments are happening and, and they're really looking at how do we transform primary care? One of the questions that came up to me was, can we have a relationship with an organization or even a company or does it need to be with a person with a doctor like so could i have a primary care relationship with amazon you know does that you know is that possible or 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 not really it needs to be a person what do you think about that <laughs> that's an interesting one because uh, my mind went right away to do you have a relationship with netflix right <laughs> Like, does net? Do you feel that you, Netflix knows you well enough to make the good uh, movie recommendations, right? <laughs> well, I mean, they're kind of my on again, off again boyfriends or girlfriend. You know, so like, I, I, you know, I cancel them and I turn them on and off. So I guess it kind of is a good example for primary care for me. But yeah, I mean, do we trust them to do recommendations? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah like, so I, I guess my my answer would be, I think in the past the answer would be no way. There's no way I have a relationship with the practice itself. I have a relationship with a doctor at the practice. But I think as technology has gotten better, as um, you know, as the EHR has gotten more uh, comprehensive and is now tracking years of my history, I actually could see where, you know what, it's okay. I can see Dr. A or Dr. B because all my information is right there and they have the access to the same stuff. And if Dr. B isn't the one I regularly see, but can see all this stuff and get up to speed quickly, then I'm comfortable going to that doc. I don't have to see Dr. A all the time, right? Um, So I think as the technology has gotten better, I think it can be where you can have a relationship with an organization as opposed to the people inside. I still think it's a human connection. You have to have a good connection with each of the docs maybe you're seeing, but I think it can be a little bit more abstracted back to the organization with, with better tech. Yeah. And that's where it heads for me is, okay, well, I, I can't really have an, uh, a relationship with the technology. I will still have a relationship with the people, but does it need to be one person? I mean, I think that's what you kind of said is that it could be multiple people that have all of the data. So that then I have a relationship there. You know, I actually posed this question on, on Twitter and uh, Dr. Jay Parkinson, I think if I remember his name right, uh, one of the pioneers in telehealth and direct primary care and all those things. You know, he said something interesting. He said, I don't think you can have a relationship with a company, but you can with a service. Mm. So that was a subtle difference, right? So, yeah, I'm not, you know, deeply in in love with Amazon, right? (laughs) But I am, I do have a relationship with ordering on Amazon and having it delivered and having that service there, right? That's a, that's a, that's a relationship in my life that improves my life. And so I think if we think about it that way, could we have a relationship with the right service that 
solves a problem for me over and over. I think the challenge is that healthcare is so dynamic that solving the problem over and over again is challenging to do at scale. If we're talking primary care, in fact, that's why we see the direct primary care for the blue pill, right? The rose of the world that say, okay, I just need to get my blue pill. Or even, you know, we're seeing it in the mental health space for many of the drugs for the mental health. There's like, I just need to refill my prescription. That's something that you can easily define and repeat. Whereas I think with primary care, it's a little harder. And so how do you scale that service so that it's a relationship? Well, and you know, you hit on something there. It made me think of something. You know, it, yes, I think we all want a relationship ideally with someone on the other side who's caring about us as individuals and cares about us being well and healthy. But in terms of going to see someone or a, a, going to see a company or an organization, I think it's more actually related to trust as opposed to relationship. Mm-hmm. So I feel I could trust CVS. I could trust a Walmart to provide me good care. And, and there, I don't know the individual doc who's on shift that day or not. I walk into a different Walmart. It's a completely different. But I trust that in the process that Walmart has gone through to select the doc. They right? and to, <laughs> exactly. Like, so I think that that's possible, much like how we have a relationship with Amazon. I trust that Amazon's stuff that they're shipping to me is not the cheapest you know, thing ever made, it's going to fall apart in four days, right? Like I trust when the, the ratings are, are pretty high, I trust that it's a really good product. I think people can have that same level of trust with an organization that, okay, I trust the level of care that I'm getting, even though I don't have a relationship with a person in it. Yeah. Well, and I think the other challenge is when I look at my experiences with primary care providers, mm-hmm. did they really act out of concern for me? Or did they act out of, okay, I'm going to address your chief complaint and I'm going to do that and move on. And, you know, was I on the treadmill? So I, I, I think almost because of our reimbursement system, you know, many of these primary care organizations cared about the chief complaint and they dealt with that fine. And that's what I was paying them for. And that's fine but they didn't really care about me. And so I look at it and I say, okay, well, is there a better chance that your technology could actually make me feel like you care about me? Because the current health system with primary care doesn't make me feel that way. I feel like a cog in the system. And so could (laughs) this technology scale to the problem? Because I mean, that's, I think part of the reality is there's not enough primary care people. They don't have enough time in a visit. And so they aren't able to do it. I don't blame them for it, right? But could technology scale to that problem where the doctor can and the technology together could make me feel like that company or that service actually cared about me? I think that's actually more possible than where we are today, where many of the doctors, when you leave that room, they don't care about you anymore. I mean, they're human. Maybe they do care, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. No, but and I, and I think you you're you're hitting on something there. I think some of the technologies already exist today that can help with that, right? Much like, you know, I hate the comparison, but much like when you bring your car to the car dealership, right? And then you get the text, you know, three hours after you leave, you go, "Hey, how was this? How was the service? Is anything wrong? Can we help you? Anything? Press here, right, to connect back to your service manager, right? If something is wrong with your car, then you get the follow up a week later, you know. I think there are technologies, obviously, that a primary care organization could bring to bear that are like that, right? That check in with patients, and we know we, we've seen them at conferences where, you know, if you have a condition, it'll it'll 
it'll ping you, right? Or ask you for the latest information and upload it to the EMR or to the EHR. Like there are technologies that can uh, help with some of the mechanics mm-hmm. of, of that relationship, but but actually caring, I don't. I'm not sure yet. I don't think AI has gotten to the point where they're gonna be. You're gonna feel like, oh, like this person really cares about me if some automated system is connecting with me. But that's the problem: is we've done such a poor job of caring, you know. And it starts right in the first step into the waiting room when they hand you a form and say, fill this out again. <laughs> like that's the epitome of, I don't care about you, right? Like right. you filled this out six times and I, you know, guess what? You get to do it again. Right. I mean, like that's the epitome of what I'm talking about. And so like the bar is not very high for a company to say, oh yeah, we actually care about you. And and to be honest, there are organizations that are doing this much better. And, and there are, you know, let me make clear, there's a lot of doctors that truly do care about their patients sure. and go above and beyond, but the system is not why they care. In fact, they, they have to fight against the system to actually show care in many cases. And that's the unfortunate part. And then what's interesting now is we're seeing incredible investment in this area. I mean, the amount of dollars that's flowing into primary care is just incredible. There's so many startups in this area. And so I look at that, I say, well, will they be successful? One that was really interesting to me was Oak Street Health that I talked with at the HLTH conference, the health conference. Mm -hmm. And they're focused on Medicare, primary care and underserved areas. And it's just a fascinating niche. And, you know, obviously that's pretty much all over the country. So they can scale to the whole country. They don't need to even go to Medicaid or other populations like that. But it's like they're providing true primary care. For example, they said that during the visit or scheduling of the visit, they say, do you need transportation? Because they have value-based arrangements with all of their organizations with Medicare Advantage plans, they can offer that. Because it's really important that that person be seen, whether they have transportation or not. So I think that's interesting. And to me, that's going to be really successful. I think that's an example of a primary care startup that could be extremely successful. Yeah. And you were saying that before we got on air here, John, that, you know, you just saw a ton of companies at HLTH that were in this zone in primary care, um, which is, which was frankly very fascinating to me that there, there is so much investment happening in this space, especially when we know that there are the big push from the, the folks like Amazon and Walmart into this space, right? You'd think that people would be like abandoning the space, like, you, you know, like there's no tomorrow because, you know, once those competitors got in, what else is there left, right? Like what's going to be remaining? But I think to your point earlier, it's been ignored for so long, right? There's so much room for improvement. The, the docs themselves are clamoring for, hey, like, help me fix this because I do want to spend more time with my patients. I do want to care about those that are in my community. Help me find some ways to get back to that. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so it's encouraging. I'm encouraged by the number of investments and amount of investments that's happening. And it's not all in technology, right? Like there's a lot of startups who are really kind of, you know, um, trying new models of care. Like there was a, it was a company that, um, the CEO was at, was at Health was on one of the panels of City Block Health, right? That's a community-based uh-huh. uh, healthcare organization that's really kind of trying to change the dynamics and getting people from the community to take care of people in the community, right? And then mixing in uh, social workers, uh, therapists, and so it's not your typical practice. To me, that's innovation, right? It's it's not a classic tech startup by any means, but it's definitely a startup in the sense of they're 
really kind of changing and innovating uh, the way primary care is delivered. So definitely very excited to see all this stuff happen. Yeah, there was a really interesting tiff that happened at one of the sessions between the, uh, I think he was CEO of Forward and and then the one medical which acquired Iora Health, right? And two two big players, you know, making a lot of noise <laughs> in the primary care space, right? And and you know the Forward CEO pointed out you're part of the problem. You're just exacerbating the problem. You're not really innovating on this. And, you know, his feeling was we need technology to be the, a, a major solution to the problems of healthcare, the costs of healthcare. And, and he was really pushing that forward. And of course, one medical, you know, fought back and said, yeah, technology is core to us as well. And I mean, there was a, an interesting banter. You can check out the full session. But what's interesting is that the investors see this opportunity they see that primary care is going to matter more in a value-based care world. Right. And so that's the problem with the current system. The current system doesn't go to value-based care. And so I think we do probably need primary care in some form or fashion. The question is, is it going to be a technology solution? Is it going to be a human? Is it going to be a mix of the two? And how are we going to get there? But you know that to do value-based care takes more than just us going to Dr. Google. It takes primary care where, that cares about us and keeps us healthy more than what we do today. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you. I think I think what we're seeing or what we've seen up until this point in terms of classic primary care is going away. Um, I think, you know, there, one, there's not a lot of money in it. Um, second of all, the lifestyles of people have changed where, you know, do I really need to see a doc every six months if I'm healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And when I do have an acute need, can they really help me anyway? Uh, you know, am I, am I going to the ED anyways or the urgent care center? So I think the dynamics of how we use primary care have changed. And I think as we're seeing with city block health and others that you've mentioned, John, like, I think we're starting to see that shift. Like, Oh, okay. Like I need to be more proactive here. I need to, yeah. to really care about wellness. I, I can't just be the place they come and see me every six months. Right. And so I think that that's the future of primary care. And then you kind of look at some technology even further and go, well, do you even need to come in? Right. Is this all virtual? <laughs> right? sure. well, I can do the check-in with you and and yeah, if you need a script and that's all you need, okay, we can do that remote now too. I don't have to have you come in. Um, it's kind of an archaic idea. Oh, let's check you every six months as if stuff happens every six months or your annual wellness check, right? Like, okay, we were doing the best with what we have, but in this technology world of uh, you know constant health monitoring and the wearables could track anything, like that exactly. idea is like so old school <laughs> that you're like, why would I do that? Shouldn't you be monitoring me all the time? Exactly. And my that's Fitbit, where it's headed. My Fitbit knows you better, knows me better than you do, right? Like, cause it's tracking yeah. me daily. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. And so I, I think that's where we see these organizations heading, which is, you know, how do we do this on a relationship basis? So it's interesting to come full circle to the relationship, but how do we create an ongoing relationship? And unfortunately we can't do that in our current system. The people just don't scale to that problem. We have to use technology. Now, how we get there, that's going to be fun to watch. <laughs> well, I can't think of a better way to end this episode, John. So thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. For more details about our show, check out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. 
I'm Colin Hung, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lamb. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.